Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I wanted to talk more about how I feel about all the sexual scandals that are coming to light about, you know, famous Hollywood people mostly being accused of doing uh, inappropriate sexual behavior with other people who at the time didn't feel like they could say anything and now they're speaking out. I'm really glad that people are speaking out about um, negative situations that they were part of. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, if somebody does something that you're not comfortable with, it's, it's everybody's responsibility to say, hey, you're being creepy. Stop doing that. I don't want to watch you masturbate or I don't want to have sex with you or I don't want to flirt with you or whatever it is that they're doing that you don't like. And if they're your boss and they're insinuating that you need to do something sexual with them or they won't give you a raise or promote you or you'll lose your job, then you need to speak up about that. Um, and then I get accused of victim blaming if I say too much about that. But I feel like as humans, we are all responsible and it does take two to tango. So if you're in a situation where somebody is trying to take advantage of you, it's good to step up and say, hey, stop this. And I, I hope that we can learn as a society to be more proactive and responsible. And it's true, it's unacceptable when somebody um, is being abusive, but it's good to also realize you have power in that situation and not be a victim of that person. That's all I'm saying. But it's good to speak up, whether it's years later or if you know how you feel at the time, because sometimes people go along with things and then bad, you know, things that are kind of creepy, but at the time they don't realize maybe somebody manipulates them verbally into doing something. And then later on they realize, I mean, I have had this where I made a choice. And then later on I realized, wait a minute, I didn't really want to do what that person wanted me to do. And now I'm pissed about it. So sometimes it takes time for people to realize how they actually feel about a situation that happened with them. And so it is good to speak up, but I'm just saying that it's important to not blow these things out of proportion in terms of realizing that we all have responsibility in how we create with each other. So if you choose to interact with somebody in a way and then you later regret it, it is good to speak up and say, hey, this happened, I think this was wrong and negative and this person took advantage of me and they were abusing their power, etc. And I almost think too, if somebody wants to be a sexual exhibitionist, maybe they should just go to Amsterdam and be part of a live sex show or or join the pornography industry. You know, maybe we need to take away the shame that people have about sexuality in the first place so that people won't feel like they need to rebel against social norms. You know, I feel like a lot of people have fetishes, uh, sexual fetishes, and maybe it's partly because we are a little bit puritanical and I'm speaking from an American uh, perspective. I've been to Amsterdam a few times <clears throat> and I found it, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of refreshing um, that prostitution is legal and that sexuality is out in the open. Not that I think prostitution is a really wonderful, happy, healthy thing for everyone to do, but I feel like it's going to happen whether it's legal or not. So it's it's more honest as a society to have it actually legal and in a certain part of town so that you know, well, there it is. You can engage in prostitution if you want, whether being a prostitute or being customer. It's everyone's choice if they want to participate with things like that. So... This just opens up a whole can of worms of talking about sexuality and <clears throat> rules in our society and what we think is right and what we think is wrong about sexuality 
And again, I think some people, maybe they just want to rebel and it's not fun for them to just do pornography or go to Amsterdam and be part of a live sex show and, and you know, perform sexually in front of an audience. Um, but imagine that turns some people on. Uh, so maybe it's good to be more honest about how you feel about that. And um, because it's true, it's, it's considered not okay to be turned on and to be an exhibitionist. But if you go to Amsterdam, it is. So there's some cultures actually that are a little bit more accepting of sexuality in a certain way. Um, so maybe that could be a discussion as well. Not that we should all... Um, have live sex shows in every city across the planet, but I feel like our attitudes about our bodies and sexuality and boundaries, it's just an important thing to talk about. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I wanted to talk about something else about uh, nutrition. And I am not a very mainstream person in some ways, like uh, I, the way I eat is alternative and based on uh, naturopathic uh, nutritional philosophies and natural medicine and herbal medicine. And I recently transitioned off of taking Wellbutrin. I did it very slowly for depression and anxiety. I um, very slowly tapered off in the way that they told me to, which is take a pill every other day and then take an even smaller pill every other day, and then you can stop. And the only risk is you could have a seizure, but I don't, I'm not prone to seizures, and I was taking a very low dose of Wellbutrin anyway, which increases dopamine in your brain apparently more than serotonin. Uh, but I, I take ashwagandha, and I've been taking ashwagandha off and on for years, and now I'm stepping it up and taking two per day. I could take up to three or even six a day, I think, but I'm taking two a day right now might take three a day. Ashwagandha is an Ayurvedic herb from India called Indian ginseng, and it smells really good to me, and it's kind of um, an adaptogen herb with no side effects, unless you're allergic to it, but I'm not. I don't have any, any negative response to it. Um, but it's supposed to be good for your immune system and good for your adrenal glands, and it has antioxidants. It basically, it's nutritious. When you eat ashwagandha herb, it's good for many different things. Look it up, ashwagandha, uh, online. And I'll spell it in this entry um, so you can look up the ashwagandha herb. But I found out about it years ago, and I did it partly because of my thyroid. I stopped eating wheat and gluten, and it helped my thyroid, and I lost weight. And also for my mood swings, my anxiety, my depression, and my stress levels. And I found out recently, too, that it might be my adrenal glands that are doing something out of balance that's affecting my thyroid more than it's that I have an actual thyroid problem. So the whole body basically works together. There's a Dr. John Bergman online that I admire and watch nutritious, nutrition videos of and health in the body. And then there's Dr. Karen Becker, who's a vet who I listen to. And that's what I wanted to talk about is that my cat is thriving and I switched him to a raw meat diet um, about a year ago at the beginning of 2017, basically, or around Christmas time of 2016. So it's been almost about a year, and he's thriving. He had some issues. The vet thought he might be diabetic. It turns out he's not. I immediately switched him. I had a blood test. Uh, he got a blood test, and his liver and kidneys are just fine. I was worried about that, but they're fine. So then I felt like it was safe for me to switch him to a raw meat diet, 
because I followed the advice online of Dr. Karen Becker. My vet did not say feed raw diet. A lot of uh, vets are not educated about how the safe, healthy way to feed raw meat to your pet is, but Dr. Karen Becker online is. So I basically listened to lots of her videos, and I went to the health food pet food store, and I recently, I feed my cat um, raw liver, raw chicken liver organic and raw chicken hearts organic and I slice them up and those are really potent and strong full of vitamins and minerals and taurine in the chicken hearts and liver chicken liver has lots of uh, vitamins and minerals and I just give him a little bit of that because that's real strong and I mostly feed him raw meat that's made at the pet food store specifically in a formula that's ground up with organ meats and muscle meats, you need a certain percentage of muscle meats and organ meats. And I've added bone broth at the vet at the health food pet store last night. I saw something new I'd never seen before, which is bone broth soup that's frozen in a container. And I might uh, look into making some myself because it would be less expensive. But and I could even eat some of it too. I'm mostly vegetarian, but I eat occasional meat and get vitamins and minerals from, from meat products um, occasionally, organic and raw dairy occasionally, like raw milk cheese. Costco has two kinds of cheese that are made with raw milk. In the United States, a lot of people are afraid of raw dairy, but I'm not. In France and Switzerland, they still make cheese with raw milk, which is a lot healthier for you than pasteurized milk because it has the good raw live en enzymes in it and it's easier for you to digest. So I feed my cat raw meat formulated in a balance of muscle meat, bones, and um, organ meat. And I added bone broth soup to his, his nutrition and he loves it. I'll talk more about that in the next post. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, <clears throat> Goddess Kring in Seattle. I think I need a cough drop. Uh, I was going to say something about um, a lot of people have said that if I say anything medical, uh, if I, if I, cause I'm not a doctor, I am a regular person who is an artist and an art model and I'm trained in graphic design and I have a bachelor's degree in, <clears throat> um, liberal studies from Antioch University in Seattle. So those are my credentials in terms of education, formal education. Uh, but all my life I've been studying nutrition and have an interest in nature and naturopathic medicine and nutrition and health and the body and the body's ability to heal. And I love the guy, Dr. Andrew Weil. Um, I like Deepak Chopra. I like Dr. Andrew Weil is a, a bot he used to be a botanist and then he became a doctor, a regular medical doctor. And he combines integrative medicine. He basically combines mainstream allopathic medicine with alternative, more naturopathic type medicine. <clears throat> And hybridizes those two things. And I, I do think that generally, I also work with uh, naturopathic medical students as well as allopathic medical students as a medical model. So I've learned different medical things from these people being around these students learning medicine. And when they say, um, you know, I'm not a, like I'm supposed to say, I'm not a doctor, so please follow the advice of your doctor. But I will also say, I don't fully agree with that. I do believe that you should be careful and follow the advice or work with your doctor on what you think you should eat and how you can take care of your health as well as work with your vet 
on your pet's health, but the truth is some vets recommend that you feed cats and dogs commercial pet food, which is actually generally really bad for them, and it's really hard on their liver and their kidneys, and they put weird preservatives. And so I switched my cat to raw meat diet, and only a naturopathic vet would probably recommend that. So Dr. Karen Becker online is who I follow the advice of, as well as my own scientific study, which is my own cat. I fed him, I switched him to a raw meat diet, and thankfully, because some cats won't just switch over, my cat immediately acted as if, oh my gosh, this is great, I love this food. He had no problem at all not eating his old food because he was miserable, he didn't like his old food. So I switched him to a raw meat diet, and I feed him raw liver and raw hearts and raw frozen mix that's made at the health food pet store, which is a combination of bone and egg and eggshell and egg yolk and vitamins and minerals and salmon oil and um, a certain percentage. I think it's 80% muscle meat and 10% organ meat. And there's a certain ratio and percentage so that the vitamins and minerals are balanced for my cat. And he immediately started thriving. His fur is really shiny and silky. He's happy. He plays a lot. He jumps around. He's about 10, and he acts like he's a lot younger than that. And his digestion is improved. And so basically, I did not follow the advice. I didn't ask my vet, hey, is it okay if I feed my cat raw cat food? Because I didn't want her to discourage me. So I just went home and learned all about what Karen Becker says on her videos. And I also used my own common sense, and I observe my cat and how he eats and drinks and pees and poops. And he is happy and healthy, and he's doing really well. So... And I added uh, bone broth. There's this frozen bone broth I got at the health food pet store, and I might learn how to make that myself by boiling meat with bones. And apparently you put apple cider vinegar in it, and then it, it leaches the minerals. And it, you can make really a high – it's good for humans, too. You can make bone broth soup that's good for humans as well as dogs and cats. You just have to do it correctly because dogs and cats can't eat, like, garlic and – you know, there's certain spices that we would put in our human soup that we wouldn't want to feed our pets. So you have to be careful with ingredients. But I'm a very careful, careful person to the point where I wouldn't even trust what a doctor said necessarily. You have to find a doctor you can trust. Like if you go to the drugstore, it'll say, dermatologist recommended lotion. And if you read the ingredients of the lotion, it's full of like petroleum products and things that you don't want to put on your skin. Like personally, I just put coconut oil on my skin. And unless you're allergic to coconut oil, you can put coconut oil on your skin as a lotion and it's a lot less expensive and safer. You know, they say that the naturopathic people say the safest thing to put on your skin is something safe enough to eat. This is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kring in Seattle. So I wanted to say, to further my point about doctors and medical advice, um, it's not always advisable to listen to what a doctor says. Make sure you find a doctor that you believe in and that you trust. And do I would say do your own research and talk to a doctor, whether it's a vet for your dog or cat or your pets. And also, if it's for you as a human taking care of your nutrition or if you have any mental or physical problems that you want medical advice for, I would say be careful because, again, if you go to the drugstore, there are there are lotions for sale at drugstores that say dermatologist recommended, number one dermatologist recommended. And if you read the ingredients on the lotion, 
I mean, I can't believe they can get away with saying that. There are toxic ingredients in lotion that you should not put on your skin. And on the package, it says, number one, dermatologist recommended. I mean, that's insane. So personally, what I put on my skin is coconut oil because it's all natural and it's healthy for your body. And it's healthy if you eat coconut oil and it's healthy if you put it on the outside of your skin. And I would never want to eat lotion that they sell at the drugstore that has weird ingredients in it. It would taste horrible and it would be bad for me. So why, you know, your skin is your biggest organ in your body. So why would you want to put something on your skin that goes into your bloodstream that you wouldn't want to eat? So basically they say that the naturopathic type people, natural medicine people would say that the safest thing to put on your skin is all natural organic oil, not like hydrogenated oil that you wouldn't want to eat. So basically, I would say, yeah, follow the advice of a doctor that you trust, but not just any old doctor. Make sure that you actually trust and believe in the doctor that you're talking with. But I would also say as a citizen, take responsibility for your health and do research. I mean, I think it's important. If a doctor tells you don't do research, I don't think that's a doctor you can trust because I, I like to work with a doctor that respects my own intelligence and maybe not everybody can do this, but I personally am a very careful person and I do careful research and I'm skeptical and I'm very careful and I do things cautiously and I don't just, you know, I don't eat a lot of junk food and fake chemicals and I'm very careful about what I eat. I don't even drink tap water here in Seattle because I don't want chlorine or fluoride. So I go to the artesian well and I get natural water from the earth that has minerals in it and is not treated with chlorine or fluoride. And it's all natural. And it's tested all the time to make sure it's safe and that's publicly available on their website. So I know that I'm drinking safe water and I've been doing it for about five years now and I feel great. And I feed my cat raw uh, meat diet, and I eat ashwagandha and raw garlic, and I drink paduarco tea, and I eat mostly a plant-based diet. And so basically, I do alternative nutritional things. I eat diatomaceous earth, and even a naturopath told me they didn't think that enough scientific evidence was around for diatomaceous earth and how it actually benefits people. Um, so I basically stopped seeing that naturopath because I personally believe diatomaceous earth has helped me. It's it's a, a cleanser and it's supposed to help get rid of parasites in your body if you have any and it can help. Uh, raw garlic can kill. Basically, I eat probiotics and fermented foods and raw dairy and to try not, not milk but like raw cheese um, from France, basically, because in in the United States, we're mostly not allowed to sell unpasteurized uh, cheese products, which I think is silly. But if you do it in the safe way, if the cows are healthy, then the cheese can be healthy from a raw. And why would you want to eat cow milk that needs to be pasteurized because it's so toxic? I mean, come on. It kills all the live raw enzymes in it, and then they have to add fake vitamins. I mean, it's silly. So basically, I believe in common sense, and I believe in following your own intelligence if you're smart enough to do research and use yourself. I mean, I am my own science experiment and my cat is, is my science experiment. I'm very carefully choosing what I eat for myself and what I feed my cat and both he and I are doing well. And I was seeing a naturopath, but I'm not right now. But I would just say that, you know, mainstream medical advice is not necessarily very good. They recommend lots of, of surgery and lots of 
like uh, chemical drugs that might help you in one way and then harm you in another way. So it's better to find somebody you can really trust. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kring in Seattle. I wanted to say something about Tame the Shame. Uh, sexuality. Sexuality is a normal, natural thing. And I think most people understand that, but I also know that some people were raised with certain religious ideas that um, sexuality is sinful or shameful or the forbidden fruit, and I think that that has partly caused people to become kind of obsessed with sexuality, but then they say that when somebody is sexually harassing somebody or, you know, abusing them in some way, abusing their power and sort of manipulating or guilt-tripping or physically forcing somebody into doing something they don't want to do sexually, um, that is horrible, but I almost feel like to lump everything together as the same kind of, of, oh God, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Basically, the flip side, uh, it's good to acknowledge that there's abuse happening and disrespect happening and, you know, people that are sexist against women or misogynists or whatever. Misogynist, I guess, is when you don't, when you, when you disrespect women or you hate women. Um, but I don't know if just calling somebody a misogynist always fits what they're actually doing. Are they abusing their power? What is it that they're doing? Oh my God. But I also know that there's a lot of shame about sexuality. And I almost feel like sometimes people feel ashamed of some sexual experience they had. So how do you know the difference between somebody who has abused somebody and somebody who at the time they thought it was okay, whatever was happening, they were okay with it. And then later on, they changed their mind and realized, you know what, that felt really exploitive. You know, that was an exploitive thing that that person did to me. And I think I didn't really want to do that, but I was talked into it because they thought their job, you know, their career would go better if they went along with doing something they didn't really want to do. But at the time that it happens, how did they feel? So I'm just saying that this... This thing is, is just like a big can of worms. And I think it's good to shine light on injustice and things that are happening in the world that are about dis, you know, people abusing their power and manipulating people and abusing people and flat out, you know, doing extremely bad things. But, oh God, I feel like no matter what I say in this recording, it's probably going to be misunderstood. But I'm just, what am I trying to say? I'm really disturbed by people gossiping about what famous people do and don't do. And I feel like the only people that really know what it was like to be in a situation with somebody where the power was being abused or there was some kind of assault thing happening. Um, the only people that really know what it's like are the people involved in those situations. And so I guess in the media, when there's some news story about something that happens, about any topic really, but especially about controversial topics like sexual assault, sexual abuse, um, people abusing their power in the hierarchy, you know, authority figures that are supposed to be respected citizens and then the treating people in a disrespectful or abusive way. I feel like gossiping about that and fighting about it, and especially when there's a stereotype about men are this and women are that. Um, in, in my family, it didn't even work that way. Like, I don't have a lot of abuse in my family, but in my family, my grandmother, may she rest in peace, she was the domineering one. She was kind of like 
um, strong and kind of bossy and kind of pushy and not super nurturing or sweet. And my grandfather, my step-grandfather, my real grandfather died. I never met him. My step-grandfather was the more feminine one and the more sensitive, sweet one and the one that was, you know, used to make people laugh if they were upset. Whereas my grandmother would tell people to stop feeling the way they feel and she basically just had a way of dominating. So in my family, there are some women that are very strong and almost maybe a little too pushy. And then I have men in my family that are the more sensitive feminine ones that are more diplomatic and trying to um, stop conflict from happening and, you know, by negotiating and being like a referee. So basically, the stereotypes that men are, men are always mean and macho and abusive and women are always really nice and selfless and nurturing and sacrificing is not always true. So I guess some of these news stories just trigger me and I don't really watch a lot of the news and I'm not going to sit here and, and gossip. And I think that there are some people that are very angry um, and want to humiliate other people and I guess it just really bothers me okay I hope that makes sense hey this is Shannon Kringen goddess Kring in Seattle and today I worked with medical students they were practicing doing um, uh, taking vital signs checking our reflexes eyes ears nose throat thyroid vital signs temperature uh, blood pressure pulse and they checked our heart and lungs, then they did a breast exam and a pelvic exam, and basically a full head-to-toe exam, and they have to learn how to do that properly, and um, I enjoy doing that. I've been working with medical students for about 20 years, and I forgot what else I was going to say. Right now I'm watching a, a show about the Ice Hotel in Sweden. I would love to go there, but it's pretty pricey. But um, I was going to say there's a stereotypes about men and women. And um, in my own particular family, I don't want to go into details. I don't have, like, abuse in my family. Um, but there was definitely some um, trauma and some uncomfortable situations. And I'll just say that I don't really... Um, buy into the the sort of stereotypical um, women are always the really nice ones and men are always the mean ones that do, you know, bad things or wrong. You know, boys will be boys, whereas the girls are always nice and the girls are always subservient to the men. That's sort of a stereotype. Although it's true that women generally get paid less than men and that is like completely ridiculous for doing the same exact job. It's ridiculous, but that needs to change. And I believe in equal pay for both men and women for doing the same job, you know, at the same quality and being able to work your way up in a company if that's what you want to do. I know that I'm a, an art model and I think that male and female models get paid about the same. So the job I have is, is not extremely sexist in terms of how much women get paid versus men. But I will say that um, there's people kind of debating and arguing online about all of the uh, famous people that have been accused and even admitted to doing um, sexual harassment or misusing their power. But I think that I wish people would talk more about what does sexual assault mean? Because in my understanding is that sexual assault is when you physically force somebody to do something that they don't want to do. But I guess assault could also mean when you sort of verbally manipulate somebody or guilt trip somebody or make it seem like somebody should do something whether they want to do it or not. 
Uh, but I always think that in a situation it takes two to tango, and I feel like both people involved um, contributed to the situation happening the way that it happened. But, of course, nobody deserves to be sexually harassed, whether they're male or female or transgender or non-binary. But I guess I just don't like it, the, the, the extremely angry, hostile attitude that some people have when speaking about um, particularly men who have treated women in a disrespectful way and sort of gotten away with it and been promoted and had had a lot of power and money in Hollywood. Now, that is nasty, but I don't want uh, men to to have revenge, you know, like to humiliate a man, it, you know, to take revenge out on somebody and humiliate somebody and shame them is not really going to help our society heal. So I don't know how to say the point that I'm trying to say, because I know that if I say some of the things that I think, somebody will say to me, don't blame the victim, don't blame the victim, but I'm not blaming the victim. What I'm saying is, is that if somebody wants equality for women and respect for women, to say extremely derogatory, abusive things about men who do derogatory, abusive things is not really going to help. So that's kind of like getting revenge, humiliating men, uh, and wanting them all to get fired from their jobs. I don't think that's really helpful. Although I think if a man abuses his power, maybe he should lose his job if he's not willing to acknowledge that that's a problem and that he needs to learn how to be a respectable person and not treat people in an unprofessional or abusive manner or disrespectful manner. I don't know. I just, the anger and the hostility between men and women is just something that I find uncomfortable. And just personally in my family, uh, my, my step-grandfather and my dad are sensitive, in touch with their feminine side type men. They're not really macho. And my stepfather who passed away, he was also not macho. And, and my grandmother is particularly bossy. And it's just, you know, different kinds of male and... Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kring here in Seattle, and I, I'm just thinking about some of my my actual opinions of big cultural things in human society. I happen to be a Caucasian person that's female that lives in the United States of America, so I know that my perspective is partly shaped by that, but I was also raised by a mother who taught me about non-duality and Advaita Vedanta and Krishnamurti and, and you know, basically... Zen Buddhism and Eastern philosophy and ideas like that. And then my dad is very agnostic and my parents split up when I was four. So I was raised. And then I think my grandparents were very non-religious. They weren't really against religion, but they were not traditional religious people at all. So I was raised with kind of an open, clean slate. And I was told to think whatever I wanted. So I had the freedom to choose and question everything. So I was just reading about how all of these famous Hollywood people now are coming out as having done sexist things or sexual harassment. Um, what's the difference between a man flirting with a woman and a man harassing a woman or blackmailing a woman? Because if somebody is your boss and they're flirting with you inappropriately and you don't like it. I mean, I guess if somebody flirts with you and you like it, then that's not a problem if both people are into whatever it is, even if it's unprofessional. If both people are adults and they're both okay with it, I don't see a problem. But if one person is 
feels like they have to go along with what the other person is doing and they don't really want to do it, they're just doing it for their job or some kind of power play, ego trip thing, then that's abusive and, and unprofessional and unethical. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that it's silly the way we build up famous actors and comedians and filmmakers and performers and musicians. We build them up as if we're going to worship them as heroes, as if they're perfect because they're rich and famous and they do some kind of, you know, music or art or movies or acting or whatever. As if, as if they're like these great heroes that we can worship and they have no dark side. I mean, I don't really think any human on this planet, myself included, just because I'm a female doesn't mean that I'm totally great in every way. I feel like it, to some extent we're expected to think that, you know, men are, men are macho and bad and women are always good and wonderful. And it's like, well, Generally speaking, women are pretty kind and maybe men can be a little macho, but then again, that's a stereotype of men versus women. So I don't really believe in that. I personally had a grandmother that was kind of domineering and my grandfather, my step-grandpa, my real grandpa died. My step-grandpa actually was the more sensitive, kind one and my grandmother was the more macho, bossy, pushy one who had kind of a lack of tolerance for people's emotions. She was kind of bossy. So in my family, my grandmother was the more not as kind one, and my grandfather was the more kinder, sensitive one. So you could say he was the more feminine one, she was the more masculine one, but then again, I'm stereotyping men and women. So I will just say that I don't believe any Hollywood famous person is totally Luke Skywalker, and I also don't believe that any Hollywood famous person is totally Darth Vader. You know, there are people out there that have done some nasty, abusive unprofessional, disrespectful, inappropriate things. And then maybe in their career, they've also done some good things and contributed to the Hollywood movie-making industry. Maybe they've done some good things, but they've also done some bad things. So I guess my point of saying this is that I think it's kind of a cartoon version of reality to think that anybody is totally a hero or anybody is totally a villain. I mean, I guess you could say that Adolf Hitler was pretty much a villain, although apparently he was nice to his dog and hopefully he was nice to his wife and he did artwork. So maybe Adolf Hitler had a couple traits that were, you know, normal human positive traits. And then he had, of course, hideous, disgusting, pathological, narcissistic, dangerous, you know, ideas about eliminating Jewish people from the planet, which is totally insane and um, a crime against humanity. But let's just say that, is anybody perfectly good or perfectly bad? You know, are we just heroes versus villains? Are we just men versus women? Are we just Americans versus somebody from some other country? Are we just humans versus other species on this planet? I mean, I guess everything to me comes down to this concept of non-duality, us versus them. I wish we could evolve past that and learn how to evolve, basically. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen and Goddess Kring in Seattle. <clears throat> Excuse me, I need to cough. Um, I will say that I love the John Lennon lyrics to the song God. <clears throat> I'm not really an atheist, but I don't really believe in God. Like, I don't believe in religion, God. I don't believe that there's like a person in the sky, a male or female entity in the sky that's judging us. And I don't believe in heaven and hell. I don't believe in duality. So I don't really believe um, in superstitious things that religious people teach other people. 
um, but I'm not an atheist. And so I feel like some people think that you either have to be totally religious and believe whatever the Bible says or whatever the Upanishads or whatever the religious uh, scriptures say that your religion reads, or you're a total atheist. And I don't, that's another form of duality right there is this us versus them. You're either a total atheist who believes everything a scientist says, or you're totally religious and you're against science and evolution and you believe everything that your church tells you, whatever religion that is. There's tons of different religions in the world. Thankfully, I was, my dad is very agnostic. My mom is into Advaita Vedanta non-duality and Hinduism from India, but she's also into comparing different religions and comparing the wisdom in different religions. You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that all religion has wisdom in it. And the only part of any religion that, that I'm interested in is the actual wisdom, the actual, because the word religion means to realign, I think, to join, and which is sad and ironic that a lot of war, the excuse for a lot of war is uh, religious beliefs, which is bizarre because spirituality is supposed to help uplift people and it's supposed to be a positive thing that helps unite people instead of making people feel separate from other people. So <clears throat> I, I, I'll say that I'm not a religious person. I'm not against religion, but I'm not into all the negative aspects of religion like guilt, fear, shame, justification for war and violence against other people. This us versus them. We are the good people. You are the bad people. That is just total insanity and not very intelligent. <clears throat> and humans could evolve past that. But I will say that I'm also not an atheist. In other words, I believe in not religious God, but I feel in my heart that nature is God and that to me what spirituality is, is feeling like I'm connected to something larger than my individual self, which is the entire universe and ecosystem. And so I would agree with... Uh, what the visionary scientists say, the people studying quantum physics, the people that, not the scientists that used to think the earth was flat and now they finally think it's round, the scientists that are discovering new things and open-minded and actually exploring and discovering new things. So I'm not really into the whole duality thing. So I believe in the unity of the universe and I believe in the ecosystem. I believe in nature and the earth and I believe in humans as being connected and basically we are nature whether we know it or not. Human beings are part of nature and we are just one species upon this planet. So personally I believe and I know that I'm a dreamer just like John Lennon. I'm an idealist. I believe that humans could. Maybe we never will. Maybe we're going to destroy the planet. I don't know. Also, it's weird to me that relig some religious people think it's okay to trash the planet. Um, to me, if you believe that God created this, this planet, all the more reason to take good care of it. You know, like, why chop down all the trees? You know, that's disrespectful to the creator. <laughs> so to, like, destroy the ecosystem and pollute the environment is really disrespectful to the creator. Um, but I don't believe in God being separate from us. I believe that we are God and God is us. I believe that the whole universe is creating itself so I guess it's true I don't really believe in a religious, traditional God concept, but I believe in nature and life 
and energy that's creating the universe and how we're all part of that and we all affect it and we all choose how we treat each other. So I believe that veterans deserve love and respect and good health care. I just can't go along with the concept that war is a good thing. And if you say you're fighting for freedom, you know, one person's freedom is another person's oppression. So if, if one country invades another country and tells other people what to do and bosses them around with weapons and military, that's not freedom. That's domination. That's taking freedom away from others. So that's how I feel about non-duality. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kring in Seattle, and I'm waking up having my morning coffee with raw honey, feeding my cat his raw meat, frozen food, thawing it out for him, feeding him raw chicken hearts sliced up, and feeding him pork, venison, beef, chicken, lamb, rabbit, I think that's mostly it. Every every kind they have at the pet food store, I get him. It's a natural frozen uh, raw meat diet for cats and nutritionally balanced. I think I might start making my own food for him, which would be less expensive for me, although he doesn't really eat as much as he used to when I fed him a commercial pet food. Uh, I fed him grain-free, but it still was, you know, dead cooked meat in a can uh, with artificial vitamins and minerals added, whereas what I feed him now has natural vitamins and minerals in it because it's raw meat. So he's a lot healthier now, and so raw frozen cat food is kind of pricey, but it's it lasts a while because it's very strong, dense food, and he only eats a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, so it's not as expensive as it seems because it's uh, much more nutritionally <clears throat> dense food. But if I make him cat food, it will be, you're supposed to do 10%, I think, muscle meat, 10% organ meat and 10% bone and I don't have a, a really good blender that I can grind up bone in and so what I need to do is get they say get I go to the health food store and get human grade um, bone what is it called it's like bone powder it's like bone I forgot what it's called but it's human grade uh, bone that's been ground up into powder and you mix it into things and humans can eat it and it's good for cats and dogs and so that's how they get their calcium and some minerals and stuff and fiber so what I'm gonna do if I make my own cat food for my kitty is get raw muscle meat of beef or chicken or turkey um, and then get some liver of some animal and get some liver heart and muscle meat and then bone and then grind that all up in a blender in the right proportion and then put it in little containers and freeze it for at least three days uh, because some some of the bad bacteria can be killed if you wait three days and then also cats can handle the bacteria so if you look up online Dr. Karen Becker she's a vet who knows how to feed cats and dogs uh, raw meat in a safe way. A lot of people are freaked out about the bacteria. Um, if you do it the right way, it's completely safe. And also, you know, humans, we could get sick from certain bacterias that cats and dogs can handle. Their, their GI tract is a lot stronger than ours. And in fact, there's a lot of beneficial bacteria in the raw meat that they benefit from. Just like when humans eat probiotics and fermented foods, we benefit from good bacteria 
in certain fermented foods, cats and dogs also benefit from good bacteria in the raw meat. So to help them combat any bad bacteria that they have in their bodies. But again, cats and dogs can handle bacteria much differently than humans can. So it's very different. A lot of people are afraid of a raw diet. In fact, in some, including some vets who don't recommend it. Um, but I am taking the advice of Dr. Karen Becker, and I've been feeding my cat raw meat for almost a year now, and he's thriving. Right away, his health got better. His... um his peeing and pooping improved. He had diarrhea, and he had um, he was he was drinking tons of water and peeing a whole lot. So I was worried that he was dehydrated. As soon as I switched him to the raw meat diet, he stopped drinking. I still give him water every day, uh, but he doesn't really seem to allow to drink a lot of water because he gets most of his moisture from his raw meat. And then he pees a lot less than he used to. I mean, he pees every day and he poops every day, but his poop is like not really stinky. And it's much more firm, and it's like dark brown usually, and it doesn't smell very much. And he just seems like he digests what I feed him really, really well. And that's what they say is that cats and dogs can digest raw meat diets much more easily because that's what their bodies are designed for when they go out and hunt uh, raw, you know, prey. And then they eat it raw, and they chew up the bones and everything. And so if you feed them that raw meat diet, it's very similar to what they get in nature. Very good for them. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle. And I wanted to say I am so grateful that I have a safe, stable place to live. Seattle, where I live, is uh, there's no rent control here. Um, in some cities and states in the United States, there's rent control, meaning they can only raise the rent up a certain percentage per year or per month, and they have to give tenants notice. The sad thing about Seattle is that some people make $9,000 a month, you know, like $120,000 a year, and then some of us make like 1500 bucks a month, you know, like under 25000 a year or whatever that is. Um, I am a low-income person, and I have a really nice landlord, and I have um, reasonable rent, and I'm very lucky that it's a third of my income, and it won't go higher than that uh, because I'm in a program where I get guaranteed uh, rent that's you know, a third of my income and every year I, I have to uh, reprove my income. So, so far I'm so, I'm good for at least another year here. And when my landlord decides to sell this building and the developers take over, then I'm going to have to move again. Uh, I moved uh, several times in the last, you know, few years. And uh, I lived in this one building where my rent was reasonable because we had this really nice landlord that intentionally charged less than market rate because he had compassion for people and he said he was making enough of a profit so he didn't need to jack it way up high. But then he sold it to this corporation that their whole goal was just to make as high a profit as possible and they remodeled the building and it was this old brick building with radiator heat and I really loved it and really cozy, comfortable building and it was perfectly nice but it wasn't fancy. And so what they did was they... Uh, remodeled the whole place and put stainless steel countertops and marble and blah, 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 and stainless steel appliances. And I just looked online and the rent is outrageous. And um, my rent when I was there was only about 700 bucks a month. This was in 2010. And now the rent is probably like $2,000 a month. I mean, seriously, or 1800 or something, or 1400 at least. 
at least double what I paid. But what they did was they jacked our rent way, way, way up, and they wrote us letters. And the only rule, especially when they're remodeling, they're allowed to jack the rent up as high as they want. There's no rule against it. Um, there's no percentage rule really against it. I think they just have to give you 60, 120 days notice. So my rent was going to go from 700 to 1200, I think, or 900, well, let's see, wait, 700 to 1000 or 1100 and then 1200. And then they told us eventually the rent would be 14 or 1500 when they finished the remodeling because it would be updated. And they, that's what's creepy is that they wrote it to us. And they, they were really nice and, and acted as if we were going to be so happy that they're improving our building. But they're basically improving our building for new tenants that make more money than us. So I wrote them back a letter and said, oh, thank you. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing this not for me because I can't afford it. You're doing it for a nice new tenant that makes twice as much money as I do. So this isn't good news to me. So. We need rent control. I wonder how it works in most European countries because I know they give their citizens health care. I have a friend in Norway and England, and they have a pretty good health care system. I've asked them all kinds of questions, and I've visited Europe about seven times. So I kind of know a little bit how it is in Europe and certain countries. I wonder if they have rent control in these other countries. They probably do in some countries. Um, but in some states in the United States, they do have rent control, meaning they can only jack it up a certain percentage per year. And they have to give you a warning. And then they have to provide low-income housing. They have to provide. Because if everybody in Seattle made $9,000 a month, you know, then we could afford $3,000 a month for rent or whatever. It seems like now in Seattle, you can get a tiny, like, 200-square-foot box, and it's about $1,000 a month. So I'm extremely lucky that I live in a one-bedroom apartment that's 600 square feet with my own parking spot and a washer and dryer in my unit and a really nice landlord, and it's just a third of my income, and I probably make about 1500 1700 a month, not much more than that, minus taxes, actually, so that's before taxes, I think. So I feel like everybody deserves to have rent that's somehow rent controlled and, you know, in an ideal, ideal, because I work really hard, but I'm low income and I don't really know how to make tons of money, and in fact, if I made more, my healthcare costs would go way up, so... I'll talk more about this later. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I wanted to say it's uh, Veterans Day. Actually, I think it is on the 11th, not today, but a lot of people are celebrating it today because it's a weekday here in the United States. And I am not really a fan of the military or of war, and I don't really believe that a lot of wars are fought for freedom. I'm glad that um, Hitler needed to be defeated because Hitler had some really wrong ideas. Uh, but I don't really think that people should invade and dominate other countries and harm people. And I do feel compassion and empathy for somebody who's a veteran and has suffered from war trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder, especially in the United States where I've heard even veterans don't even get the good health care that they're promised necessarily. Um, so on Veterans Day, I can't really go along with this whole thanks for your service, thanks for fighting for our freedom mentality. But I will say, because I personally could never join the military, and if I had to, I would volunteer to be a nurse, or I would cook or clean or or um, entertain you know, people with music or art. I would do something that I believed in, but I could never 
kill somebody with a weapon or bomb anybody, and I wouldn't want to participate in the murder of anybody. I also don't want to get murdered by somebody who wants to kill me and thinks of me as the enemy. So I uh, just am listening to the song by John Lennon called God. And my mom actually raised me with the ideas. Let's just say both my parents never joined the military, nor would they ever. My dad almost was drafted into Vietnam. And he was either going to go to Canada or pretend like he was gay or do something to not pass the physical because he would never want to go to war and kill anybody or hold a weapon in his hand or bomb anybody. He just is not. My dad is very sensitive and he's just not a violent person. He would probably rather have gone to jail than to fight in Vietnam. Um, but never mind. So <laughs> my mom also would not join the military. That's just not her thing. So I wasn't really raised with the idea of wanting guns or joining the military. There's a John Lennon song, and my mom also raised me with the ideas of this guy from India named Krishnamurti, who believed in questioning everything, and he was into non-duality, this whole us versus them dualism that humans believe you're the good guy, I'm the bad guy, you're the man, I'm the woman, um, us versus them, we're the humans, and we dominate all the other, all the other creatures and species and nature. There's this mentality of that. And so I was raised thinking that it was normal to question that and realize we could go beyond duality as humans. And that's why I love that song, Imagine by John Lennon, and also the song God by John Lennon, where he says, God is a concept by what we, which we measure our pain. I'll say it again. God is a concept by which we measure our pain. I don't believe in magic. I don't believe in I Ching. I don't believe in Bible. I don't believe in tarot. I don't believe in Hitler. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in Kennedy. I don't believe in Buddha. I don't believe in mantra. I don't believe in Gita. I don't believe in yoga. I don't believe in kings. I don't believe in Elvis. I don't believe in Zimmerman. I don't believe in Beatles. I just believe in me, Yoko and me. So it's kind of like he's saying, take it back to reality, which is to love and respect yourself and I don't think he's saying that he doesn't love or respect other people. He's just saying he doesn't believe in a fantasy of like worshiping Elvis or demonizing Hitler or worshiping Jesus. It's kind of like, I know his lyrics are controversial, but I think, you know, I know what he means. He means beyond the duality of us versus them, of comparing everyone to Hitler or Jesus or as if everyone is either Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader, you know, everyone is either good or bad, when the truth is, there is dark, we all have a dark side, and we all have a good side. And I feel like there's something beyond the duality. So my point of this post is to say, my thoughts about war and veterans, I feel um, like veterans deserve respect and empathy and compassion and good health care for mental or physical traumas that they have suffered during, you know, serving in the military. Um, I'm sad that the United States invades other countries and sets up military um, bases and maybe not everything they do is violent and negative but some of what they do you know one person's freedom is another person's oppression so if we're trying to you know spread freedom we're really dominating and taking freedom away from others hey this is shannon kringen goddess kring here in seattle and i just modeled for an art class this morning and then i checked on my friend's house and filled his uh, bird feeder with bird seed and now i'm going to go model for another art class and then I might go to a theater tonight and read some uh, 
poetry or theater or performance. I'm not sure what, but my actor friends invited me, so I might do that. And I'm just thinking about the recent mass shootings that have happened here in the United States. There was the one in Las Vegas, and then most recently there was the one in Texas in a church, sadly, where a whole bunch of people were killed, including uh, women and children and, and, and men and entire families, I guess. It's extremely sad and extremely frightening. And apparently the person, the man that did the Texas uh, church shooting, had some uh, emotional problems that were known about. He was mean to his dog, and he was in a mental health care facility, and he escaped at one point, according to what the media says, which is really sad to me that I wonder about the people that do these shootings, if if they're even telling us the full truth on who did it and why and how. I never know for sure what the whole truth is about any of these stories that you hear on the news, um, other than something tragic happened. But I just wonder sometimes about, I'm somebody who's for stricter gun laws in this country and um, more background checks, more mental health counseling, more making sure someone is mentally stable to own a firearm. Why do they want the firearm? Is this to defend themselves? Is this to go hunting? Is this for target practice? What is it for? Um, it seems like we're way too casual about guns in this country, but it's sad that um, I also wonder about people who do these violent things when they obviously are they're flipping out. Um, is this something that they thought about doing for years? Did their family and friends have any idea? I just wonder about this person's family and friends. Did they realize how disturbed he was? Was he keeping it a secret? Was his family and friends afraid of him? And was he kind of isolating himself because he was an angry person? Or did he hide it? Or did his family and friends try to help him and it didn't work? Uh, were they afraid of him? I mean, I'm just always curious about anybody who does these kinds of violent activities. Uh, what what allowed it to happen aside from them deciding to do it? Because everybody has some kind of community around them, family, friends, co-workers, um, therapists, doctors, whoever, the mailman. I mean, whoever witnesses people. I feel like as a society, we could maybe do a better job at monitoring people in terms of trying to take better care of each other to try to prevent these things from happening. I think there are very few actual sociopaths in the world that just do these things and don't care. I think most human beings are really angry and upset and they choose for whatever reason they choose to express themselves with rage and they take it out their own pain on other people and harm other people. Uh, it's like a very angry thing to do as far as I can tell. And it's, it's also tragic that this person gave up his own life. He basically ruined, he harmed other people, but he also gave up his own life. He used his whole life up by doing this violent act and then being killed, I guess, by police officers or whoever shot him. And he died. Usually the people that do these things end up dying as well. And maybe that's what they want is to just go bye-bye. Um, which is also sad in itself. I know that I'm supposed to just feel hatred and anger towards this person, but I do feel definitely frustrated and angry. I mostly feel scared and sad when these things happen. 
I personally don't want a gun. I've never wanted a gun. But if I ever wanted to get a gun, I would expect that I should take a safety class and a gun training class and that I should demonstrate that I am a safe, responsible gun owner if I ever choose to get a gun. Uh, I don't think that I should be able to just go to the store and buy a gun for no, you know, for who knows why. So I think, um, things need to change in the United States in some ways, but mostly I feel like people need to take better care of each other so that they can recognize when somebody that's a family or a friend of theirs might snap and do something like this because chances are there are signs that people can look out for if somebody seems very angry and especially if you know if they have a weapon. That's really frightening to me. So I wish more people would just talk about what could possibly be done to help prevent these things. <sighs> Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I know I've done a lot of posts about health care before. I'm a United States citizen, have been my entire life, and it's so sad to me that we still don't have national health care. Um, I love my Obamacare, my ACA. Uh, but only because I'm low income enough to the point where mine is pretty much free. Uh, I don't know what will happen if I need any big major surgery, but basically I can go and get regular checkups, uh, dental exam, eye exam, but I, I'm only really covered for like one eye exam and one dental exam per year, and then I can get on a sliding scale list for if I need more procedures than that. Um, but I'm pretty healthy though, and I don't need that, and I also can see a therapist uh, for free, which n has never been my reality before because therapy is very expensive. So I'm very, very lucky that I'm low income enough and I have a Section 8 rent voucher. But ironically, if I made more money, then my health care uh, bills would go way up and my rent would be like double or triple what it is now. Uh, my rent is guaranteed to only be a third of my income. So, because I have a Section 8 voucher, which I, I wish that everybody in Seattle could qualify for a Section 8 voucher because rent really shouldn't be more than a third of your income. But healthcare should really have nothing to do with our jobs. You know, I have a friend in England and Norway and they just pay taxes and it doesn't matter if they're unemployed or they lose their job or they quit their job or they get another job, they change jobs or they become students. Their national healthcare stays their national healthcare. And so it's completely separate from your job when you live in other countries. Uh, so it should just be built into our taxes and our, our system is so complicated and most of the people that I know that make more money than me, they have to pay two, three, four, up to $700 a month just for health insurance and then they have to pay bills on top of that, medical bills, which is really outrageous if you ask me. I think that the prices used to be even higher before we had ACA. So there's price gouging in this country. Uh, other countries do not charge like $30,000 for a C-section. And so I think that two things need to happen. You know, we need to have a more simple, streamlined, nonprofit social service system, which would be national health care covering young, old, rich, poor, sick, and healthy. Uh, no matter how much money you make or even if you're unemployed, everyone is covered. And that's how they do it in most other countries already. 
It, it's more ethical and it's built into our society. And they also need to lower the, the cost, the prices. They always say the, the rising cost of health care. But somebody is artificially choosing. You know, there's hospitals that charge $10 for one aspirin. I know somebody who had to go get stitches and his bill was $2,000. And all he did, and he supposedly had health insurance, so he thought he was safe. And he had to run to the... um emergency room or something and get stitches and they gave him a little painkiller and a couple stitches and he was there for like 20 minutes and it was $2,000. So things like that are unheard of in, in countries like Europe. In fact, I know somebody who broke their leg in Scotland and they're an American and they went to the hospital to get a cast and get their leg, you know, fixed up when it was, it was broke, their foot basically was broken, run over by a car. And she went to the hospital in Scotland, showed him her an American passport and said, well, I'm an American. I'm not Scottish. So, you know, I'm willing to pay whatever you want me to pay. And they're like, oh, no, this is socialized medicine. You don't have to pay. We're just going to give you a cast and there's no bill. Don't worry about it. It's built into our taxes. So that's a totally different attitude. If a European came to the United States and broke their leg, they'd be getting a bill depending on if they had travel insurance. I don't know what kind of uh, insurance Europeans get when they come to the United States if they get some kind of medical protection for themselves, if they're warned that this country, USA, is extremely expensive. I know that saline bags in this country are like $50, 20 to $50. I think in most other countries, it's like five bucks you know, for a saline bag. So basically the prices of things, and also the UK government in the in England regulates the prices to stay low. Whereas in this country, in the United States, healthcare is part of capitalism and it's a free market, which I think is wrong. I don't think that all freedom is good freedom. I think healthcare should be a public service, not a for-profit commercial business.